Hey, everybody, welcome back live stream. It's, it's just, again, if you're just now catching us and tuning in, it's great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us. I'm Jeff Corson. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis Gathering. And uh, thank you for those of you that are here uh, that have joined us live and in person. It's great to have you with us. We're going to continue this morning in our series entitled Unprayer. But before we do, we're going to pose a question and invite your engagement. You can do that in one of two ways. Those of you here in the sanctuary can, of course, take the microphone and respond, or you can text us. You can text us even if you're here in the sanctuary, if you'd like or prefer, as well as those of you in the live stream will be monitoring the Facebook chat as, and, and the text messages to see what your responses are, all right? Here's the question for you this morning. Prayer is. That's it. Prayer is. Now there's a second question. Prayer is not. You fill in the blank. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? I snuck in. You did sneak in. <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to sneak. <laughs> yeah, I had to finish up. Plus, my throat was dry after. Oh, your throat was dry? Yes. It, and then you had to finish up a couple of text messages. And then and I had to drink some water. Yeah, emails, text emails, messages, th all those things I do on during Sunday. During service. During well, church. during service. I mean, you know, during service, it, for some people, it's kind of downtime so they can catch up on things, email, <laughs> and text. You, you watch them in the service, and they're texting. They're, I, you I know, mean, in this day and age what, of our electronics, you don't know what people are doing. Well, you know, it's a simple used, fact. Used to be, used to be, you could see if their eyes were looking at you, if their eyes were looking down, if their eyes were closed. Now, you don't have a clue if they're looking down at their phones. Yeah, that's true. They and, could be and, taking notes and, on their phone, they could be texting, they could be reading posts. And I always ask, what did we do before the age of smartphones? Well, I don't know. Now, if I had my druthers, we'd post a sign just outside the doors, and it would say check all we'd have a basket no, you and they wouldn't. would say check your smartphone here no you wouldn't no you wouldn't because we use them you don't because we use them this is now my bible i think some people this use is them. my 50 versions or so of the bible well you know one thing about it you can't be nazi and go around and check and see what people are doing i might but yeah. I, I i think it's a real i don't know i have mixed feelings about it because i know that people get distracted with it and they're not listening to you know to the to the message or to what's going on and participating, but they're also a vital tool. And of course, we use it extensively as we do the technology to bring you this live stream. As uh, you know, you're going to text us, we're going to monitor that yes. on a smartphone. Yes. Sometimes it's a dumb phone, though, we found, <laughs> haven't we? Okay, are okay. we done yet? Are we done? No. <laughs> okay, I'm, I actually have a response I'm here. going on, I'm being verbose. <laughs> Which is so unusual for we, you. We have, what has happened to you yes, these last I, I don't know. months? I don't know. He's been this way more lately. Yes. Okay. Hi, Michelle. Great to see you Hi, here. Hi, Michelle. Prayer is a dialogue. Mm. Prayer is not a monologue. Ooh, that was a good answer. That's really good. Ooh, <laughs> Jeff's got a good answer. Prayer is time with God Oh, oh, Jeff, you should make a sign or a meme a or something. And prayer is not a waste of time. Wow. Wow. Make a meme. Jeff. Yeah. Maybe you should stay home more often and so that you can... Oh, no. slam. <laughs> no, I'm no, kidding. We, we want you back. We do not wish for that. <laughs> no, we want you well and we want you back. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great answer. Who else? Pra okay, I got an answer here. Prayer is a conversation, not 
lost the word. That's all right. Come back, word, in the name of Jesus, I command you. Come back. Prayer is a conversation, not a task. Not a, ooh, Prayer is a conversation, yes. not a task. Not a task. So, like, like when I get with a friend, it's not a task to be with a friend. Yeah. I love the conversation of being with a friend. God, with Jesus, yeah. with... Great, great answer. I love that. I, I love that because it's so true. I, I, I think that that's one of the foundations of, of unprayer is relationship, and there shouldn't be anything about it that's drudgery or obligatory or formula. Yes, someone else, anyone else in here? Again, here's, here's the question. I think it's scrolling along the bottom of your screen. Prayer is, you fill in the blank, prayer is, and or prayer is not. Okay, well, Tanya said, pretty much what you just said, that prayer is a conversation and not a structured requirement. Ooh, nice. Yeah, really good ideas. I need water, I'm sorry. You need water, you want this one? There's a little bit of backwash in it. Now that's gross. <laughs> Y'all didn't hear that because she didn't. Have, she said, "I returned some for you." <laughs> see, see, see. Well, what do you think happens see. when you kiss? Well, I guess that depends on. Well, okay. <laughs> okay, well, moving I, right along. I guess that depends on the you know, style of kissing, honey. One thing honey. for sure is we're not very <laughs> religious around oh, here. No. <laughs> Our churchy. Especially during this part. It's very life-giving, though. I've been told that. <laughs> oh, good. Okay, here's from Jim. Prayer is connective communication, which is speaking and listening. It is not one-way yeah. begging. Oh, that's really important. Begging, not one-way begging. Not one-way begging. You know, I thought about that earlier, too. I was going to say it's not begging. But you know what? Sometimes the heart is so hurting and so in need, and so frustrated, that I think sometimes we, I think there's kind of two kinds of begging. One is, is where you really think begging works. And the other one is when you realize begging doesn't work, but your heart just has to give expression. The cry of the heart. The cry, yeah, yeah. The cry of the yeah. heart, But I in the long run, I don't personally, as you have said, Jim, I don't personally believe there's a need yeah. to beg. Yeah. I think God heard the prayer. But our cry of our heart for our own sake, yeah. to emote, to get it out, to and, and so what we're going to learn in this series is that, th that theologically, <clears throat> we don't beg. Theologically, we already have. But the cry of the heart, that there's a, a place in our walk with God where he continues to embrace our soul and the expression that our soul requires for for healing and being healthy and so forth. And sometimes that is a, a cry of the heart, a lifting of the heart. And it might not be coming out of a pleading with God, it might be coming out of a passion for the things of God because the psalmist wrote, uh, like the deer pants for the water brook, so my heart, so my soul <coughs> panteth. That's King James. Yes. Pants after you. And I think that there is a passion in our walk with God that the soul needs to express 
in one way or another. That doesn't necessarily line up with New Testament theology, but God embraces all of that. I, I, think, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Who else? Anyone else? Anybody else? Prayer is, you fill in the blank. Go ahead and text us right now. <laughs> 720-878-3323 for that texting number. Kathy says she loves that verse, so the deer that pants. As the deer pants for, for the, the water waters, brook, so, my, so whole, my heart or soul pants after you. Yes, here's another one that Jeff says, prayer is a time with your father, prayer is not time with a stranger. You better mm. make up some memes. That's good too, prayer is time with your father, not time with a stranger. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else in here? Okay, I'm looking at one Anybody more else? time here. And uh, so Facebook is doing something new now. The comments all just disappear until I touch it again. Have oh. you all experienced that? Oh. And then, oh, here, Lewis says, prayer is not religion. Mmm, that opens up a whole box of, well, what, does, what is religion? And Lewis is back there going, well, prayer is hands. not Prayer is not religion. religion. I'm probably not religious either. Not religious. It's a part of religious practice, part of religion. But it's not religious. See, I think some people, you know, what's the definition of religion? Because, yeah. so somebody might say to me, so you're religious. And you know, because I understand that their definition of religious means I believe in God, I would say yes. You're a person of faith. Yeah, I'm a person. It's another right. term but if often it's somebody in here that's saying, "Oh, you're religious," they probably mean I've got a box of rules. Yeah. And Le I would say, legalistic. "No, I don't." But for someone out who doesn't really follow God but realizes I do, when they say, "So you're religious," I think I would just say, "Yeah, I am," because they're trying to com their comment, their definition is you believe in God. Yes. And I do. So I wonder uh, maybe if it's the difference between form or formality and formation, that God's wanting to form us and transform us, not have us just come together and do things by rote. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> yes, yes, yes. Including yes. prayer, of course. Yes. Oh. Anybody else? So, what is prayer? So, so Michelle commented here on the... Uh, and she liked what you just said. Michelle just commented on that religion and religious, uh, re religious or ritualistic. Religious, pardon me, religious or ritualism. Religious or ritualism mm -hmm. might mm -hmm. be what religion might mean. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then Kathy says prayer is not our personal bucket list. Whoa, kind of like just mm. dumping. Mm. That's all I do. I go to prayer and I just dump and then I leave. Is that kind of what you mean? That's really good too. Um, it's hard sometimes not to bring our, our bucket list. Well, um, yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit this morning. Okay. As a matter of fact. You ready? I think, I think we're I'm, good. I'm, I'm good. All I'm right. ready. All right. Thanks, everybody. Okay, everybody. Thank you for your input. We really do appreciate it. It's such a vital part of our service. Well, so as I said, we're going to continue in our series entitled Unprayer. Unprayer. Uncovering your relationship 
with God. That's what this whole series is about. So last week we talked about the circle of life. Today we're going to talk about it's not about getting answers. In message number three, we'll talk about prayer is not a discipline. Number four, you talk too much. Number five, freedom from religious form or formula. And the sixth week, we're going to talk about the secret of quiet. The secret of quiet. So the purpose of this entire series is to awaken our minds to our oneness with God's love and nature. So prayer becomes a life-giving, transformational experience for us and for others that we're around in influence. Prayer is relationship. Prayer is formation. Prayer is partnering with God to see his will on earth as it is in heaven. Now, keep in mind, here's, here's a big idea. Prayer is not getting from God. Prayer is getting God. So as we talk about prayer is not getting answers, I want to emphasize the word getting, not answers. I I stumbled across an article this week entitled, 10 Reasons God Might Not Be Blessing Your Life. Can I get everybody just to... (laughs) Tune in right now, okay? Whatever you're doing, or if you're watching football, or if you're, all right? I want you to tune in right here because this is so important. This is very common to hear from pulpits, to read in books, to read in magazines. This particular article comes from a pastor, nationally known, uh, multiple books published. And the title of the article was 10 Reasons God Might Not Be Blessing Your Life. And here's the first sentence of the article. You ready? Are you looking around at other believers' lives and feeling skipped over when it comes to God's blessings? (laughs) I, I, I couldn't help myself. I had to respond to what I was reading and bring it to your attention because prayer is not about getting answers. I'll, I'll take the, what I feel are the biggest three of those ten and the most commonly brought to my attention when it comes to the subject of prayer and discuss them just briefly. Number one, in this article the person says that one of the reasons you might not be receiving the blessings of God is You haven't asked. And they use James chapter 4 verse 2 and John chapter 16 verse 23. James chapter 4, you may know you have not because you ask not. Well, actually that's talking about asking for wisdom. Not about things or not about lifting your prayer to God and all of those type of things. The entire book of James really is a wisdom book and it's dealing with the subject of wisdom much like Proverbs does. John 16, verse 23, we know it well. Jesus said, if you ask anything in my name, I will do it for you, or the Father will do it for you. But even that passage in in both John chapter 14 and John chapter 16, it is talking about walking in the revelation of who we are. It's talking about identity. 
We now go directly to the Father for our assurance. There, there isn't a middleman, Jesus said. So we now have relationship with a third person that wasn't even known in the Old Testament, Old Covenant, and that's Holy Spirit. And as we develop our relationship with Holy Spirit, we, we come to know who we are. And so our asking really is more of an expression of faith and thanksgiving than it is pleading or requiring God to, demanding of God or trying to get God to do something. Number two in this article, you haven't asked in faith. Typical Typical uses of scripture for that, Matthew chapter 21 and Mark chapter 11, both talking about when you ask, ask in faith or ask believing. I have a question this morning. When have I asked with enough faith? I ask you. If those words of Jesus are meant to be used about getting answers to prayer or getting, quote, blessings for the article. When do you know if you've had enough faith? May I say to you that pre the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the relationship with our Heavenly Father that Jesus was teaching and talking about was, I want you to know how much your Heavenly Father loves you And so come to him and just ask. Jesus did teach that. He introduced for the first time something that was completely unknown to the Jewish heart and mind, which was the Father. He didn't call him Yahweh. He didn't call him Jehovah Jireh. He called him, hey, I want to introduce you to your Father in heaven. Just come to him and ask. That, that was the teaching of it. But I remind you that when Jesus taught that, he was still teaching under the old covenant as a priest speaking to covenantal people. Not people post the death, burial, and resurrection. Not people set free yet by what Jesus did. So post the death and resurrection of Jesus, it's far more about thanking God for all the provisions we already possess and using our faith to, number one, come into greater awareness of what is already ours, and number two, helping others to do the same. That's what prayer really becomes about. So you want to be careful when you cherry-pick passages of Scripture and teach whole doctrines around them, including the doctrine of prayer. And then the third one that I lifted from this list of ten is this. Unconfessed sin in your life. Once again, the subject and the title of this article is Ten Reasons God Might Not Be Blessing Your Life. And so this individual wrote, Unconfessed Sin in Your Life. Now, there weren't any scriptures used except a reference used in a previous point when it came to this one. And it was the scripture in James 4 that refers to submit yourselves unto God, resist the devil, he'll flee from you, and then the next verses talk about, hey, come clean with your life, all right? (laughs) 
Here's a direct quote, in fact, all right, in the, in the article. And I'm not trying to put somebody down. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to make an observation here about common teaching that really backs us into a corner when it comes to understanding what prayer is. And that's why I called this series Unprayer. Here's the quote. As we get the relationship right with God and maintain a level of humility, the blessing or promotions will flow. So in other words, blessings are dependent upon your behavior. Blessings are dependent upon you having your relationship right with God. Now I promise you that that is the majority thought when it comes to answers to prayer and to blessings. And it's so far outside of what Paul and Jesus and really the entire New Testament teaches about the purpose of prayer and what we should be enjoying in prayer. So let me give you a couple of definitions, if we might. Let, I'll give you, first of all, just the definition of getting. I mean, we assume we know what the word get means, but here's what Webster says. To get means to gain possession of. Number two, to obtain by concession or entreaty. Number three, to seek out and to obtain. Is that a definition of anybody's prayer life? Have you been trying to gain possession? I don't know how many sermons I've heard that have sort of a warrior theme. Trying to think of some of the great songs we used to sing, all around a warrior type of thing. We've got to get possession, obtain concession or entreaty. Like we, we have to convince God, like God's reluctant. So we, we need to convince him, we need to entreat him to change his mind because at first he wasn't willing, but now if you'll stay in there and you'll convince God you are worthy, you've changed your behavior, you're, you're going to do things right, it's the proverbial, God, if you will get me out of this ditch, I will fill in the blank. And number three, to seek out. You've got to seek it out and obtain. You say, Pastor, Jesus himself taught that those who seek shall find, those who knock, door will be open, right? Well, yes, he did. I remind you of two things. First of all, he's talking about importunity. And secondly, he's teaching to covenant people still living under covenant law, and he had not yet gone to the cross and accomplished all that was accomplished in the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection. Dear ones, I submit to you that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ changed the entire universe. And it changed how we relate to Father. It's no longer a give me. It's no longer a seeking so we can obtain. It's a no longer you have to convince a reluctant God. It's no longer a I've got to go out and do war and gain possession of. That's completely eliminated. And now it's far more about this. Here's where we begin. You already have everything. I say it to you. You already have everything. Where do I get that from? This will completely change your prayer life. First Peter chapter 1, 
verse three through four. I can pray this because his divine power has, past tense, bestowed on us everything necessary for life and godliness through the rich knowledge of the one who called us by his own glory and excellence. Through these things he has bestowed on us his precious and most magnificent promises so that by means of what was, past tense, promised, you may become partakers of what? Divine nature. Did you know you have divine nature? Do you, did you know that post the death, burial, and resurrection, one of the things that absolutely transforms the universe is that you now have divine nature. God dwells in you. You don't beg. You don't try to get his concession. You don't have to war to obtain. Pull back the curtains and just be more aware that he's already given to you and me everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Where do we begin? Number one, with that we already have everything. Number two, we have to deal with the big lie. What do I mean, the big lie? Well, it's quite simply this, that you are incomplete. That somehow, through prayer, you need to get something that you don't yet have. Anybody recognize that from anywhere? Anybody recognize where that may have been introduced into our thinking or into our religious practice? You're not sufficient. God knows you need this because if you get this, you will become more like God. Who said that? The serpent. That whole idea that you are incomplete, you need something more, God knows you need to do this in order to get his concession, to win possession of it, to seek out and to obtain. God knows. And he got Eve to eat. By the way, the sin in the garden wasn't eating an apple. It was believing a lie. You Eve are incomplete. You're not enough like God. You need a different awareness. You need a different way of relating to the garden and provision. Now you need to get. Instead of Eve, it's already all yours. And God loves you completely because of who you are and were made to be from the very beginning. This is part of the transformation of unprayer. To realize that there's a transition from getting to walking in existing provision. Watch this. So Jesus transitions from teaching about the Father who you should ask to you are my friends, I've already told you. So he transitions from them being servants to being friends. You really shouldn't refer to yourself as a servant of the Lord. 
you are not. Oh, I get it. I understand that there's times where the soul needs that understanding of surrender, but really it's quite incorrect for you to think about that. How do you surrender something from the outside that already is completely his on the inside? Go back to message number one, the circle of life, perichoresis, how that he's brought us into perfect unity with himself. And now we've read in Second Peter chapter 2 or First Peter chapter 1 verse 4 that we are, have already been and already are partakers of his divine nature. And so he transitioned us from being servants to being friends. Watch this, John chapter 15. Love each other in the same way I have loved you. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slaves or servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. Now, you are my friends, past tense, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me. I chose you. This wasn't even your decision. I chose you. And now I've placed you in me, and you are in the Father. We're in the Father. The Father's in us. And so, dear ones, it it isn't that asking is wrong. It's that prayer should be conversational and relational, not legal and formulary. You think I'm making that up? No, I, I, believe me, I, I took time. When that popped into my head, I said, it doesn't sound right. And I looked it up. It's actually in the Webster's Dictionary. Formulary. It isn't about asking. That's not the issue. That's not wrong. We're taught throughout the Bible to ask. It's about this spirit attached to it, this mindset that I need to get And so prayer ceases to be about relationship. Prayer ceases to be conversational and simple and life-giving and unattached from obligations to perform and to prove I'm worthy. Jesus, after his death, burial, and resurrection has done away with all of that, and he says, you are in the heart of God. You are in the middle. I've given you divine nature. Look, pull back the curtains. Realize that everything you need is already yours. It's part of your divine nature. It isn't as though expecting to receive answers as a result of praying is inappropriate. That's not what I'm saying at all. The whole issue is about tying prayer to personal performance and goodness, believing that God withholds answers because I am, number one, incorrectly praying, number two, don't have enough faith, number three, I have some sin in my life. That's what I'm trying to wrestle with, with your mind, your heart this morning when we talk about getting answers. Stop. Listen to me. Stop trying to get answers to your prayer. We transition from knowledge to revelation. Look at this. John chapter 16, verse, starting in verse 12. Jesus tells us that he's going to transition us from knowledge about God, which is what 
he lived with, all the Hebrew people had, the Jewish people prided themselves in knowledge about God, he says this, there is so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it right now. Why? Because he hadn't gone to the cross yet. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will tell you whatever he receives from it. Look at this. All that belongs to the Father is mine. I now am going to send the Holy Spirit to you. You're going to develop a relationship with Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit is going to pull back the veil and begin to show you what is already yours. Because it's already mine. The Father's given it to me. You're in me. I'm in you. We're in the Father. So it's already yours. Stop trying to get through prayer. Three common problems that we have in prayer. Number one, the reluctant God syndrome. I submit to you God is not reluctant. Jesus said he's father and he desires to give you good gifts. Secondly, we make it about needs. As soon as You've made prayer about needs. As soon as the majority of your prayer life is about expressing, or exhaling, or telling God a need, you've missed it. You've completely missed it. Because he already knows what you have need of before you even ask. Jeremiah the prophet, he said, while they are still speaking, I will already hear. While they are yet praying, I will answer. <laughs> Jeremiah was seeing ahead prophetically to our day where Holy Spirit would just whisper in, in our ear as we walk with him daily. You already have that. That's already yours. How about just start thanking God for it? Stop trying to get it and start thanking God that it's already yours. Yeah, but Pastor Jeff, you, you, you don't know what's going on in my body. I mean, I need a miracle. I need healing. I know. And that's real. And let's not pretend and just dismiss that as though, well, if you just think the right thoughts, that is not what I'm saying. What I'm talking about is the foundation of prayer. I'm talking about getting rid of this spirit or attitude of getting and start living out of the circle of life, perichoresis, where we start rehearsing I already have, I already have, I'm already healed, I'm already whole, and now, Father, I thank you. I see myself running, jumping, playing, picking up the kids, throwing the Frisbee, taking the dog for a walk. I see myself free, my lungs open and clear. I see myself because I've already been given everything that pertains to life and to godliness. Richard Rohr said this, and I quote, the essential work of religion is to help us recognize and recover the divine image in ourselves and everyone else too. 
We can't start a spiritual journey on a negative foundation. If we just seek God out of fear or guilt or shame, which is often the legacy of original sin, we won't get very far. We won't go very far. If we start negative, we stay negative. End quote. That's powerful. Imagine the blessing to my ears and to my heart as this week I received a testimony of something that had happened as one of the believers began to exercise what they heard this past Sunday about the circle of life. I'm going to read you a portion of the testimony. Let me get your attention, come on. Let me get your attention right up here. Those of you in the live stream, we're going to celebrate communion in just a moment. But listen to this testimony. Here's the difference, here's the transformation that takes place as you hear the word of God being expressed out of perichoresis. And we lose that I am not complete, I am not enough. And we start thinking, you know, I am. I am. This individual wrote, and I quote, a chaplain at an assisted living home told my cousin and 96-year-old aunt that my aunt needed someone to pray with her every night. My cousin didn't feel qualified, and neither did her sister. My cousin asked if I would pray with her every night. I said yes, although I did so with fear and trembling. I don't consider myself a prayer partner or prayer warrior. The prayer time with my aunt has been great. She says she now goes through her day thinking of God and thanking God. She says she has never had a relationship like this with the Lord, yet she has been a Christian all her life. She asked for prayers, that she wouldn't be angry or frustrated with people. And she has been able to continually be kinder. She's so grateful. Our prayers one night were that the paperwork would go through the process quickly for a move to a new facility within 24-hour nursing, with 24-hour nursing care. The paperwork came through in one day, and she moved two days later. She tells me every day of the answered prayers we pray the night before. She tells me every day of the answered prayers of, that we've prayed the night before. Although I am struggling with my own faith, I took this on in hopes that I can find my faith or at least fine-tune it. This past weekend, Jeff started a new message on prayer, very timely. He talked about where we stand as individuals in the center of perichoresis, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I prayed that my prayers would come from that place of perichoresis. I believe the words of my mouth. No matter my faith or my aunt's faith are coming from the, I believe that the words of my mouth, no matter what the faith of my aunt or my faith, are coming from the Father's heart and the place of perichoresis. My words may be wrong. It might not be truth. But the point is to reach my aunt's needs and to reach her where her truth is. Jesus is moving us 
from servant to friend, from knowledge to revelation. And this will absolutely change the way that you prayer. Pray. I call it unprayer. Unprayer. Give me my heart, Lord. 